Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a crowd podcast. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman Johnny Beatty's here, former Claremont and France hooker Benjamin Kayser's here, and we've got a full-lengthy analysis of the two classic all-French Champions Cup quarterfinals to come, <laughs> haven't we guys? Do you enjoy them? Um, it's, it's the celebration of how good French rugby can be if they decide to take Europe seriously. Having all those clubs in the quarters and then obviously three out of four in the semi is pretty spectacular. It makes me particularly, particularly happy. Look, I think we saw really different levels of play. Like we were talking Ubebe Racing and then you flip over to La Rochelle, completely different. We'll get onto the games in a minute, but two absolute grinds that reminded me of top 14, maybe five, six, seven years ago. And then the sort of new school, like the new face of what French rugby is like, which we've been used to and spoilt with this season and last. So we'll get on to the games in a second, but look great they're there, but real difference in the standards of the game. They were ridiculous games. We will celebrate the fact that there are three French teams in the Champions Cup semi-finals, as well as talk about the games and how good they were or bad they were. But how are you guys doing this week? Because Benji, the UK has opened up a bit. So um, you were telling us last week about how you were quarantined and you'd had various issues. So how's things? So I had to have a week at home uh, after going back to France. That was the unpleasant surprise of shit paperwork. But after <laughs> that, uh, pubs have reopened, restaurants have reopened. It's, it's, it's still eight degrees when, when things are <laughs> at, at its best. So people are in pubs and they're super happy. You could tell it's really cute, actually. So, so we went away with the family and they're down the coast in Weymouth. Um, very, very cute place. You see the sun, you know, you can play on the beach, whatever. It's got nothing to do with, with Osgo and stuff where Johnny is, but still, it's, it's still a beach. And you can tell people in the pub, they're almost looking at you like, we made it, you know, we're there, you know, we're having a good time. But listen, they're still freezing the nuts off and they're still outside. So it's, 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 not, it's not normality yet. And the sun has been out here, Johnny. It's still freezing, but the sun's been out. So we might be a bit less jealous than usual of where you are but how's things in the south of France it's quite strange actually obviously now a bit jealous looking back at the beer gardens in England not in Scotland but in England certainly um here we're in lockdown 3.0 in France so we're in a kind of soft lockdown so the kids have been given a a three four week holiday shall we say is it a holiday (laughs) well do you know what yeah it is I mean they're young we're lucky there's not too much stress they're not that annoying the youngest one's not sleeping obviously but 
look, with lockdown rules, you can go 10K from the house so we can get to the beach, we can get out, the weather's been decent, so I'm not going to complain. It's a sort of soft lot. I don't really know. Like, the lockdowns here have been really soft, to be fair, um, and we're lucky with where we live, so we'll just get on with it. Hopefully, it's the last one. Vaccines are on their way to France, apparently, eventually. So just looking forward to the light at the end of this, this tunnel. Well, let's chat about the two all French quarterfinals then because no tries in either and they weren't the best advert as we were saying for for French rugby or or European rugby where they Bordeaux Racing was particularly poor wasn't it Benji what happened I don't know if it was that poor but to be honest it, it was racing without Finn Russell without Henri Chavancy without Virimi Vakatawa right so I mean when you have Kurt Nebile and I think it was Clément Sachs that plays in in the center I was like all right this is a rotated a bit random sort of racing team but they did well to be fair and they did well in just uh, the grinder type of team who's playing, you know, away from home and wants to sneak in a little win. So you could tell two teams that were playing with, a, they were playing with a bit of a handbrake, you know, because they didn't want anybody to, to be able to challenge them. In the end, I think there was one guy, probably one player, and you, you'll know pretty quick who I'm talking about, who lived up to his standards, and it was Mathieu Jalibert. Because not only did he kick the winning penalty, yes, of course, thanks to Tame Funa, which is cute because yes. he, he left racing pretty pretty annoyed. And you could tell he almost did that contest and then turned around, looked at Laurent Travers and wanted to tell him to go, you know, <laughs> stuff it up himself after he almost took the life out of Kurt Nebil. <laughs> Kurt Nebil had a tank that just, you know, drove right on top of his head. But Mathieu Jalibert, I thought during the whole game, he was the only one actually playing with a bit of intent playing with, with a bit of full-on full-onness, whereas all the others were playing with a bit of a handbrake. So not a great game, but listen, not all knockout rugby is always going to be extraordinary. You could tell it was two teams who were playing with a bit of a bit of added pressure because they were not they didn't want to fuck up, basically. I think as well you add to those power players. So Racing looked really underpowered. Camille Shah also had to leave the field after like three, four minutes. So like your biggest power runner is gone. And that's it. I think Racing just came a bit unstuck without that go forward, especially in the back line when you're playing against Remy Lamarat, Ben Lam, you know, the big boys, big physical blokes. And normally when you watch them at the, the arena up in Paris, they get they break that game line easily. Against Bordeaux, you know, Christophe Urios, a stuffy, well-organized coach, they just had no answer. They, could, they couldn't do anything. And look, it, it wasn't the best game. I think for the first 30 minutes, not one team made it to the opposition 22. <laughs> like it was just, there was nothing happening. It was a sort of grind in the middle of the pitch, people knocking over penalties. And look, it wasn't the best advert. Like we said, the quality of the rugby has moved on. It's kicked on massively in France over the past two, three seasons. And that was a little bit of, they're almost playing with a wee bit of fear, like you said, Benji. You could tell they didn't want to make mistakes. They were feeling each other out and it just never really burst into life. But look, absolutely, the, the point that you made about Big Ben's absolute mullering of Curtly Beal. But I thought compared to what we've seen over the past five, six, seven weeks, that was really well dealt with by the ref. As much as now, like you heard, there was three stoppages during the game. You told, you heard the coaches telling the players to go and warm back up again because everyone was cooling. It's taking so long with the with the videos, but I like the use of language, how the refs broke it down. They said, look, it's, it's a low, he's attempting to wrap, he's bent at the hips, no time to correct himself, so play on. Whereas I think maybe five, six, seven weeks ago, he'd have been off the pitch. And ultimately, it's him that then wins the game or gives Matthew Jalibert the chance to be a hero again and knock over that penalty to win. I reckon in that one, so Laurent Travers, the coach, was saying how disappointed he was. But when you when you see the teams that he line up, I think he almost tried to squeeze out some positive about saying that he's got some youngsters. So Camisha came off, but Teddy Bobini, who is probably France's number five hooker, something like that. So he's not far from the French team. He's been picked a few times in the Auto Nations Cup and all that. Uh, did did well. There's uh, Jordan Joseph, who yeah. finally, finally, the big number eight, who's double world champion, um, 
who was he was 17 or 18 or something then he was put into the under 20s and then won the world cup with them he's an absolute phenomenon and everybody's sort of waiting for the phenomenon to finally deliver on the big stage right and i think for the last four or five six weeks he has been and i think laurent Travers was basically trying to find the glass has full of saying yes we're, we're gutted but with the circumstances of missing all those X, Y, and Z players, it would have been complicated anyhow. It is a weird year. Look, Sale were playing, Sale <laughs> were playing a quarterfinal of La Rochelle having won one game. They didn't even win one pool game. You know what I mean? It is a, a bloody weird, weird year of European rugby. So that's why all the boys, I think they're very happy, but they're not that disappointed either. And Laurent Travers was trying to say, right, at least we got some youngsters to come through to deliver and to show that if you're going to have to count on them for the future. Do you think that that's their last bite with this sort of group of players they have? Like you think about Donna Karai and Anthony Klaas and Zebo, oh, Shavonsi yeah. coming to the end of a cycle. You talk that Colom, young tight head, they came on. We talked about him earlier in the season, like loads of potential. But do you think they've been in finals rugby the past couple of seasons? They sort of missed their opportunity. Do you think, do you think it's finished for them now? Because they're going to go through transition. There's lots of young kids coming through that are exciting. But do you think this year was maybe their last year to try and make a tilt for that title? Do you think they could do it next year? Do you think they got enough quality in the squad? Or do you think it's going to be a rebuild slowly over the next couple of seasons? Where I agree with you, and I'm tempted to say that it's going to be a rebuild because they have super young, homebred talent that's coming through. Colin Gardelou-Sed, Colomb, the tight end, Bobby Nisha, Palou, the, the, the back row. That's great as well. Uh, Diallo, the number six, the replacement. Jordan Joseph, the eight. Um, I mean, there's an absolute shit ton of guys. There's that young number nine. I can't remember, he was with the under-20s, who was going to be the next new hot thing. Uh, who come, the free comes from Brittany, who comes from Van. Uh, Nolan Le Garek, that's his name. Uh, and, and there's loads and loads of them. But racing on the only club who basically, oh, we want to pick a center. Yeah, we're going to pick Gael Fico. And that's who they just signed for next year. <laughs> there's your so, rebuild. Mate, so exactly, your <laughs> rebuild is going to be massively fast-tracked. So next year, you will still, still have... Uh, Finn Russell, Vakatawa, Gael Fiku. And so you're even forgetting about Henri Chavancy. You will still have the Dodovan Taufi Fenua, you know, who's, who's pretty electric and pretty good. You will still have some, some, some Juanimov and some whatever. So I, I think that rebuild is going to be massively fast-tracked. And Benji, you feared for Clermont, but they were in the game until right near the end. Um, I've got to ask you about your mate Morgan Parra because he's coming for a bit of flack over here I, oh, it's not obviously not his fault that Clermont lost but what about the kick at the end did he rush it I 150% rushed it to be honest it's not like they had the kick to the win right they had to kick it receive the kickoff you know do 80 meter or 70 meters to score the winning try with the conversion to then beat Toulouse okay so people will should shut up from time to time and realize that <laughs> that it, it wasn't down to him if anything they should say well Morgan Power has been like listen he's one of my best mates and I rate him highly he hasn't played very well this year but against Wasp he wins that game for Clermont yeah with his experience his leadership and the way that he controlled the tempo he did really well and that game to be honest so my, my heart was with Clermont. My brain was telling me, wow, red alerts, red, you know, red zone everywhere because Toulouse are just going to trash them. And then it's chucking it down. So the things were a little bit weird. They properly gave their best, I thought. They really, really played with a lot of intensity. Uh, they gave absolutely everything they had. You know, the, the young seven, uh, Alex Fischer, what about Fritz Lee always being there. Camille right. Lopez getting injured after six minutes and Tim Nainai Williams still did what he could. George Morla is a beast of a human being. Damian Peno, you can still get him. Kotoro Matsushima, <laughs> I'm done question, questioning how good he is. He is. He can be freakishly good. And Morgan Parr had a really, really good game. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of to lose, mate. 
it's, it's more that that I want to actually remember. You talk about end of cycle. There's clearly an end of cycle of Clermont because Franck is going to leave because some some leadership roles are maybe going to be wobbling uh, and there's going to be a lot of transformation in the summer. But Toulouse, right now that they've beaten my 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 heart team, I can sort of admit how good they are. It annoys the hell out of me. Don't get me wrong. Eh? I'm super jealous, and I and 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 inside me, there's almost some hatred. But when they're good, bloody hair, they're good. They're committed. They've got the right balance between a ginormous forward pack, but some guys who can still go. They've only got Jerome Kano when you need leadership. They've only got uh, Antoine Dupont and Romain Tamak when you need a nine and a ten. They've got the little the little magician uh, Cheslin Colby who you know can do anything. And now they're even getting some young guys like Matisse Lebel and all that to come out of there. So I'm very very impressed with them. And again, I will repeat every single week: Julien Marchand, the hooker and captain is taking a whole other dimension. What really pissed me off was that he didn't get man of the match. Yeah, like, he was cares. unbelievable. I'm like, I don't know how he's not getting the recognition like from whoever's picking it on TV, but I'm like, if Benji's picking it, he's definitely getting man of the match because he's got <laughs> oh, a man <yeah>. crush. <laughs> um, but two weeks in the trot, it's been into Mac, but he has been phenomenal. And like in that front row, you, you got Cyril Bai, who ball carries, nah, bumps, turns, good. offloads. Every time he touches the ball, Charlie Famaina, who destroys people in contact, carries... Mate, they've got some serious grunt. And the Arnold boys behind them who like rallied everything at line at time, super well organized for huge men as well. They can carry. Like I, I can't remember seeing blokes that tall carry that hard. So like they're the front five, the grunt and the pressure they put Clermont under at scrum time, the penalties mm. they won and line out time. Again, we, we talked about it previously, but just that inability of Clermont to jump in defensive line out time or then when they're on the deck, defend it properly without giving away a penalty. And like you said, I thought Parra was really good considering he, I thought he was knocked out as well in the first 10 minutes. Remember he got a hip clash with um, mm. Peter Aki and he, he was clearly for me, I thought he should have had an HIA, but he had to stay on the pitch because his halfback partner was off. And look, he played the entire game effectively and he was out on his feet at the end. So look, mate, it was a huge battle. And again, you mentioned him dragging Clermont through the game the week before. He nearly did it again. People hate playing against them in France. I'd be the first to stick my hand up and say I hated playing against some horrible little nine. And look, again, might be the end of the cycle, like you said, but it was a huge game. Uh, and look, if Clermont had just flicked those couple of things, if they'd managed to get their discipline sorted at line-out time and at scrum 18 time... 18 penalties, mate. 18 yeah, 18. You can't, you, you I could can't not win. believe they didn't get a yellow card. That was the other surprising thing was exactly. that nobody got sent to the bin. So they were kind of fortunate... But look, those simple things that you can do off-field during the week organizational, we, we've mentioned it before on the, on the podcast about how Clermont have kind of been shown up a little bit and they, they got undone again at home by Toulouse, who were um, were excellent up front. So look, I'm much more, that one is much more enjoyable compared to the uh, Bordeaux game, don't get me wrong. Well, we can bring someone else into the conversation now who was front and centre in that game at the weekend and broke Benji's heart as Toulouse beat Clermont to make it through to the Champions Cup semi-finals. Toulouse centre Zach Holmes joins us. How are you, Zach? Good, thanks for having me on, boys. We were just chatting about the games, the, the two all-French games. Not the best spectacles, but Clermont Toulouse certainly better than Bordeaux Racing, according to the guys. So what was it like to play him? Yeah, it was a, it was a strange game. Um, I guess playing against Clermont quite a few times and and how we want to play, not frustrating, but it was quite slow. It was quite, we, we were both trying to play similar with the conditions, control field position, um, try and get ascendancy up front. Um, fortunately, our forwards probably got on top um, with our more 
with our set piece and that's what got us over over the line had you won at claremont before mate or is that your first win up there no i've no, no i think well they were putting out stats i don't think losers won there since 2002 they were saying and yeah no i haven't actually played there too many i remember playing laura shell on my first year i think we took about 60 um <laughs> we've all been there yeah so it's not, I don't think my second or third time I've played there. It's one of the yeah, few. Yeah, I haven't played Claremont away too often. So no, it's a lot less um, imposing without without the crowd there. That's for sure. Zach mentioned the stat there. A lot less imposing without a certain Benjamin Kayser lining up in in the Claremont. I was side. I was you... I was waiting. I was I was waiting for it to be honest. <laughs> you you would never have lost at home to to, to lose Benjamin in your time there. Never. Not at home, but to be honest, like listen, I, I was just telling the boys we were going through the after game after game. Before the game, my heart was obviously Claremont. My mind was 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 scared shitless because when you boys decide to switch it on, you know, when you set target on something, I mean, I, I would I I there's some bit of me that is so jealous against what. Toulouse is capable of doing that it is almost a little bit of hatred but I definitely agree that you guys when you guys play bloody hell you, you can seriously play and so like I said like, I agree with you the only thing that was been a little bit disruptive is that it started chucking it down before the game so you boys wanted probably had to adapt the game plan last minute whatever but this is why Toulouse is so good for me personally is because you've got plan A, B and C if it's dry and you're ready to chuck it about while well, you've only got Chesney Colby and all your best mates, whatever, just give it to that freak and then, you know, you can see what happens. But you also have a massive set of forwards who are ready to take, you know, any sort of opportunity to to demolish some people. So I thought Clamor actually in terms of heart and and giving their best had a, had a really good game, but they were just beaten by a, a better global more compact, more dominant side. It's, it's one of those where it's it's really good weather all during the week. You sort of know you know it's going to be raining on the weekend. You're getting told during during training, like, oh, yeah, we need to keep it more tight and, and, and play field position and stuff. But when the sun's beaming down, you're like, oh, I'm just throwing around, play the Toulouse way. Um, there's a big focus on just shutting down the, the I guess, the X-Factor players at Clermont, and that's the danger. Your Yatos, your um, Matsushima, Rafka, Penna. You got so, there's so many players that can just put, individually hurt you, um, and that's what our biggest concern was going into the game, and I think we were able to to nullify that. George Moyla? Yeah, and George, yeah, that, that was, yeah, watching a few clips <laughs> during the week, hopefully he didn't get too much ball. Uh, Speed bump. Send him back inside to, to Peter on the inside, hopefully. So, nah, that was, yeah, the, watching his clips isn't, doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence going into the game, but uh, with the rain, it, yeah, limited. The backs weren't, we weren't really, none of the backs really were able to get into the game. We didn't have much ball. Um it was a, it was definitely a forwards game, um, and thankfully ours were able to to get on top in in that regard. So yeah, hopefully uh, Bordeaux. I've actually I didn't watch I watched a bit of the game before the Bordeaux game. I actually haven't watched. Don't bother, is that not great? Not much to see, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're they're playing well, and it's yeah, I think yeah, dangerous. Um, but thankfully we're back at home because we had two away games, and it's they've been good to to get through those. Mate, you mentioned a couple of things there. You mentioned playing the Toulouse way. To you, what does that mean as a back that's slotted in everywhere? We'll get on to how you've been playing 10, 12, 13, fullback if asked everywhere. Um, the Toulouse way. So under Mola, a new coaching regime, you've got some world-class players in the team. 
What is the Toulouse way? Uh, the traditional Toulouse way is due to man. So we, you want to play with it, we'll play ball in hand. That's adapted. We still want to play field position. We still, yeah, we, we're not just throwing the ball around everywhere. But it's just about creating opportunities for to use our, I guess, individual qualities. The shape that we play with is built in a way that we can get the ball to, to the guys in space and hopefully create those one-on-one opportunities. It's, it's hard because there's not a lot of structures like someone like Claremont where their their first phase is very detailed they're very very strong off off their off their set piece and and their detail around that we are looking more to create chaos I guess get into counterattack get into turnover attack around the ruck and the, and then and play play that offload game get in behind defenses with our ability to stand in the tackle and the more chaos that we can create i guess um the better we believe our attack can um function that's that's like a perfect way of summing it up textbook so i don't know if 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 you knew much about the way that guinoves would basically make sure that the boys were always always humble and on the ground there was this thing about toulouse that there was almost this tone of voice before the games that you could tell that they were always playing down their team and you know Toulouse has never been the team to say oh no, no, we're going to beat this guy we're going to beat this guy it's always a it's going to be it's going to be a struggle and this guy is injured and that guy is on is uncertain and we're not sure we're not sure Hugo Mola I think has has completely taken over the the Guinovest tradition of doing that because before the game <gasps> Julien Marchand I'm just not sure you know the Munster game was so incredibly tough Famuina is barely standing we're going to might have one Arnold brother who was just not so sure they were all freaking playing So I'm, yeah. I'm asking, is it something that you boys just look over or is it genuinely sort of the DNA of Stade Toulousain? You know, don't give anything, play mega, mega humble. Yeah, I, I understand, like, especially how Hugo sets it up, even with the meetings and stuff. He likes to get a bit of a us against them mentality. Everyone's kind of against us. Um, everyone's coming for us. I'm not too sure about Guy Noves. I guess he was, I came to France just as he was finishing up. But with Hugo, I know he does like to use the media, I guess, to try and um, inspire the boys, I guess, more so the French boys. I'm not, I think they probably buy into it a bit more than some of the foreign boys, but I guess he does use it to yeah, try and get that emotional uh, response and try and use that just as messaging through the week, through the week as well to try and uh, promote that. Yeah, I guess that emotional response, but top 14, it's a grind. You need you need to find different levers, I guess, to to get that emotional response and to get that that energy sometimes, especially now we're coming into a block of 10, 11 games in a row. You need to find different ways to get that to get that energy, to get that spark, because otherwise, yeah, it can become you look ahead, it can become a bit of a drag sometimes. Talking of coaches and emotional responses. You mentioned Hugo Moller, who you're playing under at the moment. Your previous coach at La Rochelle, Patrice Colazzo, known for his emotional responses. How do they differ? Um, yeah, different different emotions, I'd say. Patrice, um, oh, I had a great relationship with Patrice before I start saying anything. But um, <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I think with Patrice, he's just, I just had an experience, someone that not passion passions but yeah probably the, yeah he's just so involved in in the team and how much he would watch games and opposition and even the training and just he gets so frustrated if it didn't go how he wanted it to go because he was so invested in it um for me arriving in france and 
how I guess in Australia it's a bit more laid back in terms of coaching and just generally how things are. It was a quite a shock uh, just to be getting screened out of French. I didn't know what he was saying, so <laughs> didn't was a bit more of ducks back. Now I've got a bit more of my idea for he goes screaming at me. Um, but <laughs> no, it was just just um, it's just yeah, it's just that emotional and and it's just so involved. I think he goes is more relaxed. Um, probably doesn't take as much of the sessions and stuff. He leaves it a bit more up to the assistant coaches and stuff where I found with Patrice at La Rochelle, he would control most of the stuff. And if he wasn't happy, he wouldn't be uh, afraid, afraid of letting you know. In terms of, mate, if you get through this next round, I'm sure we'll get onto top 14 a bit, but if you do get through this next round of games, who would you rather face? Would you rather be up against your old team La Rochelle or would you rather play against Leinster? Oh, for me personally, I'd rather play La Rochelle in the final. I think even for the club as well, for them to make to beat Leinster in the semi and make the final, I think that would be quite quite huge. Um, and oh, Leinster's been watching that Leinster Exeter game. They were yeah very impressive. Um, I think yeah La Rochelle at home it's it's a difficult task, and I think. It's just a shame they don't have supporters in there because that would make it even even tougher for Leinster. But yeah, I, I would. It's hard. I like. I still. It's always going to be a special place in my heart at La Rochelle. Gave me the opportunity to to come over here and play, and I still are quite close with quite a few of the boys. So no, nah, I hope I hope they they can make the final. It'll be, it'll be fun to play against them in the final. Hopefully, I want to ask you about a guy that is mentioned every week at the moment by Benji, Julian Marchand. Benji has got a massive man crush on Julian Marchand. So give us some dirt. There must be something wrong with him because he's he's doing everything right at the moment. Give us something. What's wrong with Julian Marchand? I haven't really got any dirt on him, to be honest. He was, <laughs> he was enjoying himself after the game on the week, and I can tell you that. He's got the week, he's got the week off this week. So he's, of course he does. He's, yeah, <laughs> taking it easy. But no, he's, he's just, he, just, he just works hard. I think I did, when I first came to Toulouse, I didn't know too much too much about him I'd seen him play a little bit like coming off the bench and stuff um yeah massive um physical specimen like a big boy lifts yeah big weights and just over since I've been here just his progression to where he is now in terms of playing international rugby and dominating playing international rugby as well I think it's just shows how much hard work he's put in and yeah I heard you guys speaking last week um about Benji's being I think yeah it's true I think He's taken his game to another level and he would be up there being, yeah, in the premier hookers in the world now. And it's just, you just see he's carrying as well. Like he's just carrying his set pieces, his lineouts, his throat. Yeah, everything's just, just spot on. And he's, I think he's really reaching some some serious highs. But on top of that, but I know him personally and he's a, he's a top dude. What I was really impressed with, and that I can't answer, but you can, is that he was made captain of Toulouse mega, mega young. There were still some big old fellas. I mean, I, I play with Joe Tecori, so I know the space that he takes in the changing room, how important he is. He's like a natural captain, right? He's like a leader yeah. by a life leader, whatever you want to call it, a heart, you know, heartbeat leader of a team. Um, so maybe he doesn't even need to have that captaincy role or whatever. But you've got Jerome Kano, you've got all those boys that are around him. But still, Juju Marchand, I think at 22 or 23, he was already captain of Toulouse. How was that perceived by sort of the older fellas? How how did he behave, or did he just shut his mouth and do his thing? Yeah, he's not he's not someone that says a lot or anything. To, he he's quite direct in, in when he speaks and and that kind of stuff. Joe does lead a lot of the, the communication stuff in terms of the 
uh, the huddles and after training and that and that sort of aspect. And the socials. Yeah, definitely that side <laughs> as well. But um, yeah, I think Ju just it's more is just the way he handles himself. He's so professional. The way he plays rugby, he's so so combative. He's so aggressive. I think that aspect people just follow him. Like you, you watch him play and the way he plays, and you're like. I want to play like that, but unfortunately, I don't have that, that size. Or, but he's just, yeah, when you watch him play, he's always going forward. He's always running hard. And it's just, yeah, it is inspiring. I think the generation coming through at Toulouse, which he's probably the, the leader of, um, and, and, and I think that's probably a decision why he was made captain so early for that, that generation to come through. And now you're seeing... Um, to, to pump put more in a leadership position, and then and that group, um, the more experience they get, use their knowledge from the um the from the playing for the French team, bring it back to us, um, and then you've got Joel and Jerome, acting as the uh, sort of two two older heads. But um, no, there's a is a good dynamic with the leadership, and it brings it allows the the foreign and the French boys to. Um, probably be closer as well when you've got sort of both sides um, involved in the leadership of the of the of the team. And a guy that was just mentioned who all three of you have in common, all three of you have had nights out with him, I'm sure, Joe Takori. I mean, we've had people on the the podcast before, and and they've spoken about what Joe might be like on a night out. Do you want to share some stories with Johnny and Benji about about Joe? It's very dangerous <laughs> if you get caught in his vicinity. It's uh. Uh, yeah, yeah, you you know you're in for a long night. Um, yeah, he's just an, an animal. I think the amount he can of alcohol he can consume. Not say he's unaffected, but just his ability to back up the next day. And like we've even been on like camps and stuff. And we know he got a big day in the morning. We'll go out for dinner, and then he'll drag a few of the Espoir Academy boys with him. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> um, you try and get out by about midnight. You'll he he you hear he's got back about four five a.m. The S Y boys barely moving and training. He's just running around like he's had ten hours sleep. Um, but yeah, it's, oh, it's just incredible. He's oh, he, he's always leading the charge. He's always the last last one to to finish. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's I don't know how he does it, but yeah, I think he's just he's just adapted and now. Good luck if you're you're stuck with him. Picked four or five times for the English Babas that will give you the perfect the perfect yeah. uh, way of training for that type of stuff. He is unbeatable, untouchable. He's a freaking bamboo. Like he'll he'll move a little bit, but he will never fall. <laughs> he's just yeah. he's just unbeatable. But mate, it's crypto it's kryptonite's gin. If you get caught with him, I think gin's the one. I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've had gin with him a couple of times. He seems to struggle a bit with it. So if you're good, yeah get caught with him, try and get him on the gym. It's kryptonite, I love that. <laughs> That's the inside knowledge that this podcast is all about. So we love that. Um, you've been in France for six years now, I think, Zach. So just give yeah, us an insight into how much you're loving life over there. And you mentioned kind of when you first came out over the sort of culture clash, I guess, from what you were used to in Australia. So um, yeah, how are you finding it now and how much do you love it over there? Yeah, I've really embraced it. I've really enjoyed my time. It's gone really quick. Like when you say it's almost been six years, um, I'm actually going for my um, yeah, nationality. I've got a, my test next week. So, yeah, going for my French passport. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I, I want to stay in France. Um, I've still got another year season next, but 
I'm doing my like my BP Jeps to get my coaching stuff done as well. So yeah, I, I want to stay in France if I can um, play out my career here, and then hopefully there's an opportunity to get into coaching or 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 whatnot in France. That would be my ideal. But yeah, my fiance really enjoys it here as well. It's been tougher for her um, not being able to do as much with with COVID and stuff. But I think it's brought the the families, especially the foreigners, closer here because we've had to had no we haven't been able to go home or no one's been able to come so it's definitely brought the the foreign people here and we've all supported each other with that but nah i'm loving in france want to stay here as long as i can hopefully finish my career any tips from either of you two for zach on the citizenship test yeah study mate you know that little booklet they give you study it's like that was i took it every every day on the bus i take it on the bus and ask the french boys they didn't know any of the answers to questions so if you can get the ones they don't know, then you're you're in. Like questions about the yeah. philo- philosophers from like the 19th century, Benji, all this stuff you'll have to help them out with. But that booklet is gold dust. Get into that, get into, yeah. get Googling and get studying because yeah. it's hard. Mate, that interview, I did mine in Bordeaux. It was an hour and a half on culture, economics, yeah. politics, geography. It was intense. And then my wife went in afterwards and she was 30 minutes. I've tried to book the one that is apparently easier, but... Oh, we'll see next week. <laughs> <laughs> there's more than one citizenship test. You can go for the easy version or the hard uh, one. There's, nah, no. there's two different ones, but they say one. There's, there's two two different companies run it, and they say one's apparently easier. But there's there's the South of France nationality. You know, it doesn't mean much. It's just that you're <laughs> mega. <laughs> that means that you're mega chilled. Means that you're mega yeah. chilled and relaxed about your life. That's about it. But you can have to give up your French passport now, Benji. Now you're in England. You have to give it up, or they let you hold on to it. Fuck no. Listen, I'm keeping <laughs> that, that passport close to me. And I tell you what, I, I'm going to be the, the the passport police, basically. If, if if you take a French passport because you love France and you want to stay in France as long as you want, I am all for that. That's extraordinary because the reason why you boys stay so long is because you fall in love with the country, the culture, the this and that. What fucks me off is if somebody takes a passport and then fucks off away from France. But like if you, you want to stay, please, please do. Please do. <laughs> I was going to say, sod the uh, citizenship test next week, Zach, you've passed. Benji's given you a seal of approval. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Got the green light. I'll, I'll put that through to the prefecture. Mate, we randomly, we had a bit of chat from one of your teammates who's been on the podcast before. So Jerome Kano was saying, can we ask you why you still insist on wearing your Crocs around the city centre of Toulouse? <laughs> he's, got real, he's got a real bee in his bonnet about <laughs> your Crocs. Can you let us know why? If you're that big on French culture, fashion, and and good wine and drink, why you are still wearing your Crocs? That's the question that he sent in. I took inspiration from old uh, Ford's coach um, Regis Son, who used yes. to wear them proudly um, at the stad. I actually only just pulled him out for the first time last week. It was a bit of a knock on my heel, so I was like, "Oh, it's a bit." I'll just put the Crocs on because I couldn't. Really, I didn't really want to put shoes. And oh, Jesus, the the grief yeah the, the, the uh some of the comments i was getting last week was enormous but nah they're very comfortable if you haven't tried them johnny i definitely recommend it you know i tried to buy a pair and my wife was like if you buy them i'm gonna divorce you that was how strongly <laughs> she felt any any comeback for jerome if we have him on again anything you can fire back at him try and play more than a week about one week on three weeks off at the moment so finishing <laughs> up nicely till the, the end smart of man <laughs> We speak a lot on here about the the kind of French culture, the coaching over there, all sorts of aspects on and off the field. But if there was one thing you could say that you've loved most about France, whether it's the wine, the food, the just anything, what what's the thing you love most about France? Oh well, the wine is would definitely be up there. I think <laughs> being in Toulouse, I've sort of been going to Bordeaux a few times, and I'm actually 
we're getting, I'm getting married just next to uh, Santimillion. So, um, yeah, that, that actually has been something I had no interest in before I came to France. And now I've got yeah, way too many bottles that um, I actually don't know where to put them. But um, I think, well, just being in France and just being able to travel around, not just travel around Europe, but just see other places in France and just Toulouse is a good place in terms of where it is just to, there's so much around, um, just to go to towns like Albi and Montauban and just little towns and just go, go for the day and just have a look around and experience it and, and just things like that, like things you, know, you can't really do in Australia. Just so different from living in Australia where you're so isolated, I guess. Um, but yeah, we, we love it over here. Um, we want to stay over here. And I think, yeah, everyone that comes and visits us and is able to experience France, just, I think, yeah, it's just, just, just a great place to be. What do you reckon, Benji? He's got his passport, eh? Easy. Uh, if you, you repeat yeah, repeat exactly old? what you said, but when you speak about <laughs> wine, just 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 sneak a little case under the table, yeah. mate. Just yeah. discreetly, just push one there. <laughs> mate, are you going to be involved this weekend? Are you playing against Cast? I don't know for sure, but we're pretty light on in the back, so we we've had a lot of injuries in our backs. So, um, I think most of our forwards will be getting the rest. Um, but yeah, I'm not too sure. I think I might be might be one of the few that has to back up this week, but. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's a big game against Cast. Um, I think well, they've had like, almost three weeks off now yeah. to to prepare and for the for the, the derby as well. So yeah, they're going to come out um, pretty fired up. So and we dropped our last off fourteen game against Montpellier. So for us, we yeah, it's a big game. We need we we have aspirations to finish in the top two, and I think it's important to finish in the top two if you. So you're going to go and win in the, the Brenner. So, um, yeah, it's a big game for us. And, yeah, we've struggled against Cast over the last few years as well. So yeah, we know what's coming. And you're playing centre at the moment, Zach. You spent most of the recent years playing 10 with Roman Entomac outside you. What's the, the shift? Has, has Ugo Moller sat you down and, and had a conversation? Not really. It's more Roman playing so well at 10 and playing at the French team. I've been playing 10, I guess, when he goes to the French team. Um He's got a lot of lot of options to to play um, how he wants the team to play. For me, it's just trying to play as much as possible. We got a lot of good backs. Um, ideally, I played most of my rugby at ten. I also played a little bit of centre when I was at La Rochelle and uh, and Brock James came. So it's for me, it's not not too difficult. Um, but even with the system that we have here, we we're trying to to get our backs involved as much as possible. So yeah, for me, I feel most comfortable at ten, but we just want to be playing, uh, being on the field. So if that's at centre, if that's at fullback, then yeah, that suits me fine. Well, thanks ever so much for coming on, Zach, and um, good luck against Cast this weekend. Good luck against Bordeaux next month, and more importantly, good luck in the citizenship exam next week. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks guys. Thank you. Yeah. I'll- get back to studying i think so yeah, it got me a little bit worried now johnny <laughs> no mate you'll be sweet get studying with the french boys there um yeah. we'll get you practicing good rehearsal for it easy. it'll be easy thanks guys well done mate thanks very much cheers Zach. go well uh, to be honest he's, he's he's one of those utility backs that save a club because he's got the humility to say that Romain Tanak has been killing it, so he's not going to play 10 anymore. But there's also Sofiane Gitoun who's killing it in the centre. There's uh, Pitaki, you know, who uh, I, I didn't think was going to be as good as that. And he's absolutely trashing it for the last couple of years. So, and he's, but every single time they call upon him, he delivers, right? He delivers 10, he delivers 12. And that that's those are those guys, I reckon, that make a team win. And uh, And if they manage to go on to 
challenging or winning on both uh, tableau or whatever on both competitions then it's really down to guys like him whose attitude and multitasking talent is is top level and like you said like a swiss army a guy that can plug in and like he plays 10 12 13 mm. and fullback and he's clearly a smart rugby player like you think of the way he played at the weekend which is completely different to any other way he'd be asked to play like an aggressive defensive get up, stop Moala, stop Matsushima, read a game, read a Blitz D. Like that's hard. It's hard for any 13 to be good at that. And shifting from 10 or 12 or 15 makes it even more impressive. So, mate, absolutely. Like a chance as well, like you say, to do a double. He is key. And I'm not sure he realizes it. Like really nice bloke. Didn't really talk about it too much, but he is key. He, he is key for them every single week. Wherever he's asked to play, he does a job and he's excellent. So really smart bloke, smart rugby player. And look, one of the good ones as well, like another one that wants to stay, passport, wants to work hard, wants to graft, wants to enjoy his wine like we all do um, and make his life here. So great bloke. It was great to have him on. You mentioned it there, Johnny, like 13, the most difficult position to defend yep. on a rugby pitch against Josh Moala, Matsushima, Pano, the lot. Yep. No tries conceded. Yeah, made it look easy. And look, I, we touched on it a little bit with the key people that he has around him. Like you're with Intermac at 10. You've got Peter Aki, who's been phenomenal again all year at 12 smart people around him good levels of communication he speaks french really well and look he makes it look easy but i don't think people at home will be able or realize how hard that is to do 13 is the hardest place on a pitch to defend and he was playing as world-class people that we can so really? look really impressive uh, lovely bloke um and he's doing a tremendous job for them hello i'm garrett thomas and i'm tom fordyce and this is your official invite to come and join our brand new cycling club now, good news, it's a podcast too. So you can come and listen to us, try and build this club from scratch and we'll have a few familiar faces joining us for the ride too. Right, G, time to tell everyone what we've called this club. Well, we thought long and hard about this so we come up with a strong original name that really stands out, the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Yeah, I suppose it's easy to remember at least, isn't it? We will have new episodes for you every single Tuesday. Come and join us. 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The one French team we haven't spoken about yet in the Champions Cup quarterfinals is La Rochelle. And... I'm going to start putting some money on your predictions, I think, Benji, because even Johnny didn't agree that they were going to smoke Sale, but they did. Mate, I'm, I'm really impressed by them. Because Sale actually, funnily enough, for the first 25 minutes, put them under a lot of pressure. Um, they didn't actually allow them to to create the way or to dominate the game like maybe they thought they were going to. Sale, Sale obviously, they've got some very good players. Uh, Curry, the, the you know the all all the Safas that they get, Faf de Clerc and the Dupree's brothers and all that, and they, they obviously have got some quality, but um, but but then La Rochelle was struggling a little bit, and I think again, like like I mentioned, you know the reason why Toulouse are so good and I reckon they really uh, are strong contenders to it is because they've got Plan A, B, and C, and it's the first time that I saw La Rochelle have a Plan B, basically where they have those big units that are capable of carrying the ball, Will Skelton, Winnie Antonio and all that. They've got a graft behind. Uh, Brice Dulin obviously been very, very instrumental coming back in and stuff like that. But they, they've got some serious, serious capacity to... I mean, when's the last time we spoke about Victor Vito? Everybody's forgotten about him. He's only a World Cup winner for the AB. He's absolute class. And he had a monster of a game. Um, on on Saturday and 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 so basically you just when you forget about how good a guy like him can be that means the depth of the squad is extraordinary when you forget that actually yeah no they, they can have a plan B they can kick the ball they can have a good strategic eye about there was a rush defense of sale but we're trying to instead of you know playing the small meter after meter thing that they normally do and try to stay up on our feet and offload then we'll kick to the corner see how he goes I thought they played really smart in the end they completely blew them out of, out of the park because they overpowered them um, and they did that really well while still keen disciplined while still sort of biting the bullet at certain moments. And, and that's why the, I was really impressed by them. Uh, now, the only problem, but of course it's semi-finals, so you're never going to play against any bozos from, from, from around the corner. They got Leinster. Poof. And Leinster against against Exeter, I was very, very impressed. 14, 14 nil down after 10 minutes, Johnny Sexton gone. And the way that they came back, wow, they can chuck the ball around. So I think Winnie, Antonio, Will Skelton, all the big fellas, they're going to have to have Ventoline and triple shot of oxygen masks <laughs> behind them because, wow, they're going to have to knee. cover a lot of ground. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. But then again, mm-hmm. that's John O'Gibbs, Ronan O'Gard, they know that. They're not going to be uh, surprised by that. So they'll prepare a plan for, I don't even, I don't know, you know, we need to play 30 minutes, come off, come back, whatever it is, and they'll have a plan behind it. I think that the image that summed that game up for me was Faf de Clare's face. So as he came off the pitch at 60, he like, was angry, oh, yeah? just complete dejection. Like his team had just been bullied in every single sense, like physical, smart, aggressive, like every single facet of the game, they smashed them. So like I was massively impressed. And the more I watch, the more I'm impressed by Gibbs and O'Gara, like as a coaching team and what they do, how they've got their team playing. 
they're insane. Like they're organized, aggressive, the speed of the ball they generate and they play with. I love the way they alternate the point of contact as well. It's not just about skeleton, like being a big, like tip-ons, balls out the back, shifting the point of contact, keeping defenses guessing. Mate, they're a joy to watch. And some of the thought into what, stupid stuff like kick chase. We just heard Zach talking about Toulouse, how they alternate, but the way they pressurize sales fullback made him look silly, put him under pressure, knock-ons turned over time and time again. It was really impressive. I absolutely loved watching them. They're clearly well-coached, inventive, and they execute at a really high level. And I think if you're going to take that next step and go and win something like this competition, that's what you need. I think a lot of French teams over the year have had that power, had that pace, but they haven't had that next level and maybe the top two inches that were functioning and they just absolutely clicked. They were insane to watch. I absolutely loved them. Um, and you look back to some of the tries they scored and also the defensive efforts that they had. Clearly the analysis, the way they'd work things through, the ball that goes inside Tom Curry straight off a lineout because they see Tom Curry fixes on 10. Inside ball to a winger and he goes through untouched. Like really simple stuff, but they'd completely outthought Sale. And then you, you complement that with the power battle. You talked about the Dupree's boys, but like he had a bit of punch, but when you've got Will Skelton and Botia holding you up over the line, turning, like there's nowhere to go. So look, they've got this amazing blend of power, pace, and precision. They were just so clinical. That was what shocked me watching the game was how clinical they were. And then it was comprehensive and certainly the best game of the weekend. It was a joy to watch. So three French teams into the Champions Cup semifinals, which is obviously something we'll celebrate. But why do you think it has been such a vintage year? Is it the fact that kind of Bordeaux and La Rochelle, who aren't historically big European names, their projects are kind of coming to fruition at a similar time? Or, or why has it been such a vintage year for the French sides? I think to be honest, for me, it's more than one thing. There's there's also been some points that we were awarded to a lot of teams um, that were, listen, it's a random year, right? There's those eights of finals when they put their hand in the bag, right, you're going to come through. And it, it was it is very random. But I, I, I think you've got it spot on. It's, it's when everybody decides to, to, to go flat out at it, even Lyon, for once, took it relatively seriously, but they fell in Exeter because that was just out of reach. Uh, but it's, you're right, it's La Rochelle, Bordeaux, finally deciding to say, right, we're actually going to seriously want to challenge, test ourselves, represent proudly the country and, 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 or the, the area and, and go full on at it. And that's, that's when the result is different. We're not going to learn anything by saying or teach anything to anyone by saying that the top what nine or ten clubs of top fourteen? Bloody hell! Of course they've got the 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 quality to be to to be in Champions Cup, and all of them could do some serious damage. So that's never been the issue. The issue is that when when Castres, how the hell do Castres win two two Bukli in the, what in the last six seven years maybe Johnny something like that? And how and how come they've never even challenged anyone in Champions Cup because they don't care about it. They play one game, you lose once at home, Fini, pack it up, go. And, and that, that's one thing that La Rochelle didn't do, that Bordeaux didn't do, that Racing don't do anymore, and that Clermont and Toulouse have never done. I think there's several different elements. I, I completely remember, like Fabian Galtier did not care. Hmm. that The pressure was top 14, finish high in the top 14, Brennus. That was it. If, if, if there's a choice to be made, and that's actually a bit of a tangent, but that's where I think Montpellier have actually maybe shot themselves in the foot by winning their, their game and getting through to the next round of the Challenge Cup because now they've got that added side pressure when they need to focus on the top 14 they they could go down that could still happen so look absolutely it's it's been a shift in focus I think COVID no crowds winning away from home always helps but generally for me the standard of top 14 has shifted the, the past two three seasons it's just gone up a level and now they're competing, if not dominating, British and Irish sides in a way that they haven't done in the past. So it was really exciting. And look, we, we've mentioned before, but an Urios getting into 
Bordeaux. They've had massive budget for years, but never quite clicked, never quite been decent on the field consistently. Christoph's a great coach. You look at what La Rochelle are producing, well-organized team, world-class players. You mentioned Vito, but we didn't mention Aldrit or, or Gourdon. <laughs> the other, either side of them who've been phenomenal as well. So look, there's loads mm. of little things that are clicking at the right time for French rugby. And loads of these projects that have been bubbling away for years are now kicking on to the next level. And, and that's where it's so exciting. So to have three of the four sides potential winners being French is tremendous. And just briefly before we go, a couple of big derby games in the top 14 this weekend. Uh, we mentioned one of them with Zach, the other, Claremont Breve, Benji. Give us an idea of what that game's like to play and what it means to the players, the fans. So 170 Ks between the two. They call it a local derby, which is not. It's two different <laughs> areas. But for some reason, they've built up this thing and the fans believe it and the players believe it and everybody believes it that Clermont is the rich and and it's it's the London Wasp Leicester Tigers at the time. And Breve have got the real values and they're the real people and we represent the village and you guys are overpaid, smug, uh, arrogant little shits, basically. Whereas, yeah, have you ever been to Clermont? Clermont is a hardworking industrial town. Nothing to do. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not the capital, right? But but they they they've painted it this way. Um, I mean, to the point where it's funny. It's the first time that you would rock up with a, a Clermont bus, and they would have guys with how do you call it? fumigène, Johnny? Like flares. Yes, like, there you go. Breathe. There's probably eighteen thousand or twenty thousand maximum population in Breathe, and the guy is cracking, you know, those those smoke things before. I'm like, chill out, mate. Come on, it's rugby, and you were in Breathe. You're not in the middle of the Bronx, you know. <laughs> and and that just spiked up. I mean, I've had a really my only very humiliating, not humiliating, but very sad moment on a rugby pitch. Uh, was was two three years ago after beating Breve in Breve and there was a guy singing the most horrendous song about my mother that I'm not going to go into deep but yelling it full tilt that I almost lost my shit so I, I was going through the, sec- the security guy pulled me out and then the, the really nice captain for Breve Saeed Iresh who was yeah. a youngster coming through Stade Francais and when I was there I've got a really good relationship came to get me and stuff he's like just forget about him there's always one idiot I said yeah but I'm not pissed off about him he was drunk and an idiot and he's probably very he's got a very very sad life to come out with some horrendous stuff like he did but there's nobody behind. there was kids next to him oh, nobody sure. taps him on the shoulder be like, you know, shut the fuck up what are, you, what are you saying you know there was none of that so it's, it's a massive derby. I think it makes people lose their heads because they've got their... The Brieve are basically convinced, or the Brieve fans, sorry, are convinced that Clermont don't respect them and it's the big against the small, the rich against the poor, the lucky against the unlucky, whatever. Um, in the end, it's just a matter of... Brieve have always play, played with a lot of spirit, a lot of passion, a lot of gut. And that's what they're doing this year. And to be honest, and they're really doing a fantastic season considering the small budget and the, the small area that they're doing. And the epiphany of that is Saidi Resh, the number six for them. He's just, he's got, he's playing with his heart and sleeves and he's a phenomenal guy. And so Clermont would be tested on that. But like I said to Zach, I thought they really played well in terms of putting some dog into the fight against Toulouse. And I hope they bring that against Brief because they're going to need it. Not good to hear that story, Benji. But um, is it one of those derbies where you often get it in football where it means more to one than the other? So as in, how do Clermont say it? Is it very much coming from the Brief direction? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say so. And without any disrespect, I think Breve won in Clermont probably once in the last 20 years, right? We've won in Breve a fair few times. 
So th there's there's clearly a difference of level. There's clear, clearly a difference of importance in it because Clermont will always play Brive when you've got Europe, you've got top 14, you got this. Brive will fight for a relegation, but they've got one game that, you know, they underline and under, and put a, a red red flag and red paper around that one. Those fuckers from Clermont coming, the rich guys. And they go and go. So you're totally right. It means a lot more to them than to Clermont. But at the same time, I think every rugby player, we, we like a derby. In France, at least, we, we like a derby. It's just special. I mean, Johnny will talk to you about the Bayonne Berets derby. That's completely different, but I think the boys enjoy those games. That's what we like about rugby. As long as after the game, you go back to the normal, real stuff, which is, listen, rugby's rugby. Let's have a few beers, have a laugh about it, get all that anger out on the pitch, and then and then we're all human beings and we respect each other, right? But um, that and that wasn't the case for that that idiot. And another derby as well. I didn't mention Pau Bayonne, Johnny. Yes, there's dar derbies everywhere this weekend. You've got um, the 64 derby, as it's called in this part of the world. So you've got Pau against Bayonne, which again is a battle of the relegation basement. Um, but huge for everyone down in this part of the world. You mentioned Bayonne Biarritz, but this one is as big as it gets in the top 14 for Bayonne. Um, and look, the context of where both teams are is huge. So Hastoy, who's been playing at 10 for Poe all season, who picked up a Oscar from Media Olympique, I think two weeks ago, Benji. He's been sensational for them this season. They're injured. They've brought in Elton Jansis from South Africa. Um, I'm not sure if he'll make the pitch this weekend. I don't think he'll. I think he'll be too close, but... Look, that's a huge game. And there's loads of weird things around that game as well. You've got Joel Ray, who was the old captain of Poe, who was my forwards coach at Bayonne. His son is the captain hooker. of Poe. Um, great young hooker. It's like there's all these little different derbies in within the derbies. It's a family affair. And it's a huge game because you've got Poe now. This is a game in Poe on 32 points. So second bottom. Bayonne on 39 and 12. So look, if Poe don't win this game, it's almost like they're saying child to top 14 and they're in a real battle so it's a huge win for them they've won the last three head-to-head -head with Bayonne so they'll be confident um, but a huge game and then the other one that I, I enjoyed Benji as you were talking about Brief Clermont is cast to lose and we mentioned it a little bit with Zach but exactly the same it's the village people the town people the sort of the peasants as we consider ourselves in cast against the townies the the rich kids of Toulouse and look it'll be it is the game of the season it's a shame there's no fans there I know how much it means to everyone in cast it's a huge game and like you said a much more local derby than that's massive space between Breve and Clermont whereas you know it's 35 minutes between cast and Toulouse and they absolutely hate each other so look that's a huge game uh, and then you've got Rassing against Stad as well the old Parisian derby that you'll played a fair few again that's just rich against rich Benji is it not it's richie rich what, what's the chat yeah. between those two teams they used to be a huge rivalry it's one of those rivals that was massive when I was a kid when I was 14 15 the youngsters we'd always kick the shit out of each other it was there was hardly any rugby played at the top <laughs> level it's it's all gone mate it's 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 honestly it's all gone it's still special it's the rivalry who's going to be the king of Paris at the moment, I think Stade Francais are more focused on let's get some points. Forget about who, irrespectively of who's in front of you, let's get some points. Thanks, Benji. Thanks, Johnny. And we look forward to a host of derbies in the top 14 this weekend. And thanks to all of you for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers. See you, fellas. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.